Hello and welcome to the OnlySpans podcast, a podcast that I still can't believe CoreLogix actually gave me money to make. We're going to cover everything from DevOps, cloud observability, cloud architecture, and much, much more. All great ideas that are going to level up your craft and make you a much better engineer and hopefully save your company a little bit of money in the process. All of this, and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously, so that when you're in your bed at 3am and that production alarm goes off, you are 100% ready to go. Let's get started. I still remember when I was clicking around in the AWS UI and trying to spin up EC2 in- more EC2 instances than I would ever need. I don't know why. I think I just had a real hatred for my employer at the time and I wanted to spend a lot of their money. Anyway, um, I suppose that uh, now I don't really click around in the AWS UI all that much anymore. I use Terraform. And the reason why I use Terraform is because I found that when I was clicking around the user interface, if someone said, hey, can you spin up another one of those servers? It was like, yeah, no problem. Click, 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 click. And in Terraform, it's all about just copy and paste. And so based on that, then monitoring as code, uh, the, you know, the, the sort of weird stepson of uh, infrastructure as code, kind of makes some sense. You know, you've got all these dashboards, you've got all these alarms, um, and if you just define them in code, you can keep track of them, you can sort of... Uh, stay ahead of resource explosion and, and you know keep on top of everything, especially in the case of costs, as we as we discussed um, in a previous episode. Cost is a really big thing in observability right now. Um, so so when we keep all that in mind, um, monitoring as code is essentially the practice of using code to declare uh, observability resources like dashboards or alarms or parsing rules or whatever whatever it is that your platform uh, supports you declaring. And the benefits are essentially all the same as infrastructure as code. Um, but there are some little hidden gems in there that I kind of want to tease out now. Um, so we'll begin, uh, so we've given, we've given you a bit of a definition on, on what monitoring as code is. We're going to jump straight into some of the benefits of monitoring as code. Then we'll talk about some of the real drawbacks. And there are some, regardless of what any of the evangelists out there are going to say, um, there really are some drawbacks. Um, and then finally, uh, we'll have a look at, you know, is it worth it? Like, is it worth the headache? Is it worth the hassle? Um, yeah, let's get into it. Monitoring is code pros. All right, this is an easy one. So there's the obvious stuff. When you declare stuff uh, in code and then you put it in a Git repository, for example, and everyone can see it. So you immediately get resource visibility. It's the same thing as infrastructure as code. Um, so especially that's really, really important when you're using a platform, for example, CloudWatch, that will charge you per dashboard. So if someone wants to go in and declare 50 dashboards, they have to do it by the repository. Um, you can see that they're doing that and hopefully stop them because um, that's $150 a month. Um, this is the real power of it. This is the, one of the cornerstone values of monitoring as code is you get resource visibility. And that enables you to roll out like much smoother uh, a much more controlled usage of an observability platform. Um, as a side note, the sponsors of this video, CoreLogix, do not charge by usage, don't charge by dashboard, alerts, whatever. Get charged by one thing, the amount of data you use, that's it, uh, finished. And and so that makes a really simple and predictable pricing model. Anywho, back to the fun. So monitoring as code is really, um, really all about making the visibility of your resources as high as possible. But once you've got the visibility, it also opens up some new capabilities. Like for example, um, if you want to raise a PR, let's say some intern has decided he's going to spin up like a thousand new dashboards. So he just needs them. It's really important. It's going to solve all these great problems. Somebody else can see the the PR that they've raised and go, that is absolutely mental. Whereas if they were just clicking around the UI with admin permissions, then 
they would obviously just do it and cost the company a bunch of money. Um, the second way that it's really powerful is performance. So um, what happens with any resources that are declared in code, what tends to happen over time is they become more consistent, provided that people are taking care of the code base. And that's because, again, of the visibility of the resources, you can wonder, well, why is that server declared this way and why is that declared that way? Likewise, for dashboards, you could say, why have you written a really complex PromQL query here when that dashboard has the same query that does the same thing, but does it in half the time or in, in fewer clauses? Um, so all of those put together essentially mean give you some insight into um, what uh, it really offers. Firstly, the limitation of the number of resources that are being utilized. And secondly, the, the efficiency of those resources themselves to make sure that you've got um, a really good uh, view and a really highly performant um, dashboard or, or alert or whatever it is that you're using. And again, some some dash some uh, platforms will price by computation. Uh, I've seen that once or twice. So again, that that's a real thing to consider. Uh, performance can also translate directly into cost. Finally, it's just maintenance. You know, things are generally more consistent. It's easier to use the dashboards. It's easier to work with them. Uh, the naming conventions tend to become more consistent, or at least it's easier to enforce naming conventions in that way. So those are just some of the pros of monitoring as code, and there's there's a lot of them actually. Um, in terms of collaboration, you know, teams can uh, take ideas from other teams because their dashboards are all visible and present. Um, and I'll say I'll say one final pro, which is also down the collaboration route, which is this: if you decide to go on the click click point point route of just messing around in the UI, you're going to have to at some point decide on some kind of processes, right? You're going to have to decide, you know, Timmy you just don't get to make dashboards because you're crazy. Um, uh, but Jennifer, you're awesome. You you are now the dash, dashboard leader. I don't know why what the team is. But anyway, um, the point I'm making is when you do it as code, you could set up pull requests, right? Or something like that to stop people from just spinning up resources left, right and center. Um, but also um, those processes already exist. There's no need to like set up a pull request process. There is already one if the team is using pull requests. If they're using feature flags, you could probably set up feature flags for um, monitoring as code as well. My point is, is that um, you could tap into a wealth of collaborative information that exists in a team already because they're really accustomed to working with code. Really simple, really straightforward. So next we'll have a look at some of the drawbacks. Uh, some of them are obvious. I think some of them are quite subtle though. And then we'll get into whether we actually think monitoring as code is really worth it. So when we're discussing the drawbacks of observability as code, You've really got to kind of understand, um, firstly, just the obvious stuff when it comes to uh, anything as code. So you've now got some code to manage, and that means that that comes with all its itinerant problems, right? So, for example, if a member of your team hates coding standards, then it's going to be a, you know a new argument to have every single day. Um, you're going to have new files and new conventions, naming conventions, and things that you have to maintain. Um, I would say that those things are there for good reason and you'll get benefit from them. So they're not just downsides, but they are new problems you're going to have to solve with this new code base and potentially a new language. Like if you haven't got much Terraform or you haven't got much CDK or whatever it is that you're going to use to declare your resources, then that's a problem. So that's the obvious one. There are some subtle ones, though, when it comes to observability as code. Like Here's an example. If someone um, wants to make a thousand dashboards and you're doing everything UI-driven, they have to go out of their way and <laughs> be a complete weirdo to like just to click and click and click and click a thousand times to make a thousand dashboards. It's really not going to happen. But one badly programmed loop, um, and you could end up with a thousand dashboards, and that could translate into some money, you know? 
Um, so actually, with monitoring as code, there's all this safeguarding and gatekeeping that goes on, but also the capacity for things to go really, really pear-shaped. Um, so, you know, there's something to keep in mind there, that the risk is actually a bit higher. Um, I said on one of the pros is that you're actually tapping into some existing sort of collaboration infrastructure that the team's already got, and that's true. The team will be able to, like, know, okay, this, this PR looks weird, this is too long, blah, 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 blah. They'll have all these things in place to make sure that the code is reviewed properly. However, um, mistakes can happen, and the cost of those mistakes can be higher. So it's just something to be aware of, especially in the observability space where, depending on the pricing model, um, you could end up, you know, being, it could end up being quite expensive. The second thing as well is when you do things through the UI, you tend to end up with the thing that you need. So, for example, you need a dashboard that you know does three things. It'll do three things. The propensity for copy and paste in the world of uh, monitoring this code is really high. And you can end up with dashboards that are a lot busier than they need to be because someone's just copied and pasted a dashboard uh, that already existed and then made a slight tweak to it. Um, this is difficult to do when you're actually um, implementing sort of like properly and, and, and being really thorough about it. But of course, mistakes happen. So something to keep in mind there is that the propensity for copy and paste and the risk of things going wrong, that's a pretty interesting cocktail and actually adds a new level of, um, let's say, overhead and stress to what should be otherwise be a really straightforward uh, process. So what monitoring as code does, the, the, the great drawbacks to summarize those problems is this. It makes creating assets a bit more complicated. But the question for you is, is that complication going to be one of the positive constraints, an enabling constraint, one might say, that you, uh, you end up being able to do more things more sustainably because of that constraint? Or is it going to be a ruinous constraint? Is it going to be the kind of thing that slows you down for no good reason? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the next section where we dive into whether it's all worth it for you as a company. So the uh, the million dollar question, is it worth it? Well, um, this is a fun one because obviously it depends on your company. So what I'll do is I'll give you a few metrics that you might want to think about. The first is, do you have a lot of stuff in your observability platform, whether it's in your own provider or SaaS, whatever? Have a look. Are there are a lot of resources there. If the answer is yes, then the next question is, when you look at your bill, are you surprised by certain aspects? For example, why do we have 500 dashboards? Why do we have 2,000 alerts? Why do we have you know, X number of metrics and so on? If you're thinking that all the time, if you're wondering, why have we got so much stuff? Where's all the inconsistencies coming from? Why can't I easily see what's going on? Uh, I have two things for you. One, check out CoreLogix. It's really easy to see all that stuff using the data usage metrics, just saying. But two, it's because these platforms aren't great mostly, except one, uh, aren't great at telling you what you're actually doing. And that's where monitoring as code is so immensely powerful. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, if you're planning on moving provider anytime soon, I know that Terraform likes to pretend that it's like platform agnostic and blah, 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 blah. The truth is it's not. We all know it's not. No one's ever moved after they've written a lot of Terraform. If you're planning on moving, hold off, and then you can start your new provider, whichever one that will be, with monitoring as code in place like there from the start and that's going to be a nice position to be in you start with something fresh you have a better chance of success and you know less drift and that kind of thing so it's really up to you um but the big things to think about is it worth it are you dealing with the kind of scale where you're going to get the return on investment remember engineers working on this is engineering time spent not working on something else so is it worth essentially directing yourself away from whatever product increments it is or whatever platform they're building um, is it worth directing away from that 
in favor of um you know working on the observability side of things if that's true if it's a real problem if it's costing you money if it's costing you time do it if you're not feeling the pain yet you can do it if you want if you're on that journey of continuous improvement and you listen to this episode to try and to glean a little bit more out of it um definitely definitely uh, give it a go but really in my experience of leading teams i did that for quite a while it was typically pain driven. You know, you have to prioritize by how much pain something's causing you. If you're not feeling the pain, then ultimately you're running, just running the risk of your strategy uh, being left by the wayside because other things come up and bigger fires happen. So I would wait until the company's really committed to the idea. And that usually comes in the form of um, excessive costs that need to be cut or ex- like serious usability issues, performance issues, that kind of thing, maintenance issues that are causing, that are impacting other aspects of the general engineering life. So that's really the wrap-up of, of whether it's worth it. And actually the wrap-up of this episode, you know, we've kind of dug into monitoring this code a little bit. We've not gone into loads and loads of technical detail. We can do that in a future episode. But this is really just about assessing it and giving you the tools you need to make an honest assessment and not listen to some of these liars that are out there at the moment telling you that you absolutely need it and it's completely essential if you ever want to be successful as an engineer. Um, and that goes for the entire everything as code crowd, okay? There are no silver bullets. There are no obvious solutions for everybody. So use it with the spirit that's intended to solve problems, to, to work for you, but don't use it, you know, if you think it's going to just miraculously fix all the issues you're having with your observability vendor. The only way to do that is to buy CoreLogix as a shameless sell. <laughs> Look, um, I'll stop there, but thank you very much for listening. Um, this is a brand new podcast. Your feedback is always more than welcome. Um, tweet at us at Coralogics, or you can tweet at me, Chris underscore Cooney. Um, and you can find out a little bit. I, you know, I'd love to just know what you think of the episode, how you think we can improve it, how you think we can push it forward, any topics you'd like to hear, any problems you're having. Uh, yeah, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you very much for today's episode.